This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. For the line, I'm joined by Yolisa Gani, who's a Chief Business Development Officer at Transnet. I think it was in early December of 2023 when we found out that Finance Minister Inoko Dongwana and Public Enterprises Minister Praveen Kodan had agreed to issue Transnet with a 47 billion rand guarantee facility with immediate effect. The aim there was to, uh, you know, assist in uh, the recovery plan there for Transnet. And to also know that the mining in was underway and I think Transnet would have had to really I give presentation about the plans to really turn the parastatal around uh, to the mining sector, which of course has uh, been very vocal about the challenges there. And Yulisa now joins us on the line just to give us an update on all of that. Yulisa, good evening. Thank you for your time. Hello, Notanda. Thank you for the invitation. Yulisa, maybe we can start off by speaking about uh, the guarantee and maybe clarify for uh, all of us and the listener about what exactly the guarantee was meant to do and even how it works, because it's not hardcore cash in the account, is it? Yeah, no, it's not. Look, um, transfer is a, is a scheduled tool, a state-owned entity. In other words, we raise our own uh, funding. Ideally, I mean, you raise your funding from your operations, but if your volumes are continually, continually rather, uh, diminishing, it means that you don't have a, a strong balance sheet. So we've had to raise money from the market. And um, by, by, by doing that, that comes with certain covenants, right? You know, your lenders will say, um, if you are to draw down, uh, we expect this level of operational efficiency, we expect this, that, that, and the other, you know, cash in, in, interest cover must be at um, a rate of this amount and this and that. There's a, there's a lot of uh, what you call debt covenants that, we, you know, we, we, we were issued by those lenders. But again, and I'm trying to simplify and I'm trying not to go in, in, a, in a very long and winded way that when we then got to a point when we, where we could not meet those uh, covenants, and we had reached our ceiling in terms of lending from uh, uh, the, the, the markets. We then had to, and this is something that it, that has never happened at Transcend. We then had to look to government to say, can you at the least give us a guarantee of 47 billion so that we can then draw down from our lenders? And that's exactly what they did. But over and above uh, uh, that, they then gave us their own conditions to say, we will give you this at the back of. You, one, aligning uh, yourself with the freight and logistics roadmap, which was approved by government on the 8th, or cabinet rather, on the 8th of December last year. And also you you need to ensure that you turn the corner and then we agreed on the targets that um, we thought were reasonable for us to meet in the year that is about to end in two months' time. So let's speak about then the progress that we've made today, Chair. You know, uh, of course, you would have agreed to uh, the conditions put forward by funders. Uh, where are we in terms of, you know, this recovery uh, plan, Yulisa? Look, I mean, we, we, we set ourselves a target and I think we're well on our way to meet the target. However, I want to say that the challenge or the curveball that we've been thrown is that in the past couple of weeks, we've experienced a couple of derailments. Mm. Uh, one uh, happened two weeks ago, which is which is a major uh, coal collision. Two trains collided as a result of the very same infrastructure challenges that everyone knows about. Then through the spanner in the works. If it were not for that, no time, I would have put my hand on my heart. I would say she would probably meet that um, target and exceed it. Having said that as well, I just want to highlight that 
if we look at how we are trending. I think we're trending fairly well. Uh, we will certainly will be above the baseline, which is what we the targets that uh, or the tonnages that we we exported uh, uh, in the previous financial year. And when we look at transit as a whole, Yolisa, we've had, uh, you know, we've heard about challenges with ports and rail. Can you just get your thoughts here? Where do we need to allocate uh, resources more urgently? Are we seeing, uh, you know, both uh, these parts of transit uh, in deteriorating or in recovery mode, maybe, because that's where we are now? Look, we're trying to, to, to push ourselves into recovery mode as soon as we possibly can. And, and, and I would say we we're at an inflection point. Uh, we, we're certainly not moving backwards, but I mean, there's a lot that needs to happen for us to, you know, just catapult into a space where we feel comfortable that, you know, we will see the kind of volumes that we want to see. This is not an overnight uh, process. You will appreciate that the, the infrastructure and the port equipment that we had troubled with are not things that happened overnight. It was, year, it was a culmination of years and years of one making a decision, it was a, it was a policy decision at that time, that there would be not much investment in the maintenance of the existing infrastructure for reasons unknown to, to many of us. It was probably before most, most uh, probably you were, were born. Uh, I don't mm. mean this in any yes, condescending question. Um, so, so it's a value chain. It is difficult to say that you'll focus on rail and not focus on ports because the very same product has to be exported via our port terminals. So we, we're simultaneously working on these two, which is rail and the port terminals. On the rail side, there are two things in the main. It's the rolling stock as well as the infrastructure. Infrastructure is the railway line as well as the signaling, which is also quite obsolete. On the port side, we're looking at port equipment. You know, when, when your balance sheet is constrained and your volumes are not quite where you want them to be, mm-hmm. there's always a sacrifice. Uh, when you do your budget, you say, I'll do this and I'll leave it that. Yeah. And unfortunately, maintenance and port equipment were those two sacrificial lambs and we're paying a heavy price for not having paid attention to those two. It's 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 it's, it's gotten us where we are today. So to answer your question, we we can't look at one and not the other because mm-hmm. it's a value chain. If trains take the equipment and the product rather to the port and the port can load it onto the vessel, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. And if you invest in the port equipment, but there's no cargo to be loaded onto the vessels, then what's the point? So we're looking at the holistic value chain within our system. Let's also touch on uh, the mining in Daba. I know that transit is there um, and has given presentation. I'm keen to find out about the mood in the room, specifically with miners that, of course, have been very vocal about the challenges at transit and even citing uh, losses that uh, really move into the billions over you know, issues with rails and ports. I think there's a couple of things that the customers are, are, are appreciating. I mean, um, we really are customer-focused, uh, customer-centric. Uh, we're trying to put the needs of the customers uh, uh, at the forefront, and we try to the best of our ability within our limited constraints uh, to ensure that uh, we don't miss the commodity booms like we have in the past, that's number one. The second one, the tone that we're getting from our customers, they appreciate the conversations we're starting to have with them, which are honest and transparent. So if we say we can't do something for whatever reason, we say we can't do it. And what has happened is that we forged a collaborative uh, partnership where they say, well, if you can't do it, we'll do it for you. And we'll see how we then uh, recoup uh, that money. Point in case, when we had a derailment, they then assisted us in clearing the site faster than we would have uh, under uh, the circumstances because we are then uh, confined to you know, procurement processes 
you can't just go and get a particular service as you wish in the government sector. So we cleared that within a space of five days and, and there we were running again and the line was open. The second one is that they're procuring uh, spare parts for, for, for the trains. So uh, compressors and batteries. And over the weekend, we saw the first delivery of, of those batteries. Their systems are faster. And what you will find interesting is that if you procure as government, you know, the, the, the suppliers will put a markup because they're under the understanding that government has got the money and, and they're not price sensitive. And unfortunately, we are. And um, the port of Cape Town, we needed some equipment and uh, we then got delivery of seven um, rubber tire gantries again that was facilitated by our customers. So the mood is, is, is positive. In fact, the last meeting I came out of now before this interview, uh, one of our customers was saying, we, we are seeing you turning the corner. We, we're quite happy we are there behind you, we are supporting you. But please help us with the cars because it's one thing to have a well or machine, but if the culture doesn't match that, then it's, it's a futile exercise. And we're happy to see that, you know, we're moving towards a performance-driven organization. Not that we're not before, but these are 50,000 employees are working so hard. But where we are right now, everyone is pulling and pushing together to say, come hell or high water, we're trying to meet the target that has been put in front of us. So it's good. And it, it hasn't been like this in the longest of time. We appreciate the pressure of our, our shoulders that we can focus on that which we need to do, which is pushing those volumes. Before I let you go, Ayulisa, we do have our budget coming up in a few weeks. I'm keen to get your thoughts here. Is there anything that you're asking of the finance minister where a translate is concerned? No, no. <laughs> we, we, no. We, what we've been given is, 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 is enough for us to carry ourselves over the next two financial years, which is the one that's ending now and the upcoming one. Fantastic. Thank you for chatting to us this evening and also for uh, being transparent. It's been a pleasure hearing from you. Thanks, Nintendo. Wonderful. Go well. That was Yulisa Gani. She's Chief Business Development Officer at Trans. And I think for me, very refreshing uh, to also not hear denial, right? Things have gone wrong. Uh, They're going to take a long time to fix. We are battling to, uh, you know, keep volumes up. We are fighting uh, to do so. And we acknowledge the fact that there's a roadmap that needs to be followed in order for us to reform. And I think it is uh, very encouraging to just know that there isn't denial about the state of trans. They couldn't be because there's so much accountability, but from leaders within uh, the organization coming out uh, to really take accountability for what's happening and then also showing up in spaces of mining and media to really explain themselves to the public. It's a parastatal after all. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.